Presentation Skills for Design Students, Episode 38. Are you a design student or graduate who wants to succeed in the professional world? If so, keep listening. You are about to discover how to get noticed, land your dream job, and have an awesomely successful career. It's all about being able to speak, present, and communicate like a boss. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm podcasting to you this week from Austin, Texas. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've done an episode, and I apologize for that. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking recently, and it's led me to a decision, which is actually it's quite a big decision, and I'm going to be announcing what that decision is at the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned for that very special announcement. Anyway, this week on the show, I'm very excited to be featuring Volker Jansen from Swinburne University, in, which is a university in my beloved hometown, Melbourne, Australia. Now, Volker is originally from Germany, which explains the really cool name, but he's been in Australia for a number of years and has been the Employment and Information Programs Officer at Swinburne University for the past five years. He works closely with employers and students, and he knows exactly what employers are looking for when recruiting new graduates. So make sure to listen in if you want to find out how to make yourself more employable and how to make employees come to you and how to get a job without the relevant experience, even when they say that you need it. The show notes for this episode will be at designdrawspeak.com slash 038. And make sure you stay tuned for that very special announcement at the end. So sit back and enjoy and please welcome Mr. Volker Jansen. Volker, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yes, hello. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Now, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today because um, I know you have a lot of valuable stuff to share and I know that the students and graduates listening will get a lot of value out of this. But firstly, can you just tell us about your role at Swinburne University? Yes, I am somebody who's in a dual role. I am the Employment and Information Programs Officer at Swinburne Centre for Career Development. Um, I look after the website, but also more importantly, what I look after is um, the students, of course, and uh, the the employment fairs, the careers conferences, and things like that. Um, major parts of my role are actually to get employers, particularly graduate employers, in contact with students and vice versa. So if employers come on campus, want to um, provide an employee information session, tell students about internships, industry-based learning, any other programs, and of course, graduate programs, um, I organize that for these employers. And also I do the targeted emails out to students and advertise it on the student database. Um, so it's a good idea to have somebody in the place who knows a bit about IT and has good communication skills. Now, you deal with a lot of employers, right, that come to these job fairs and, and are trying to recruit students for them. Yep. So what's the number one quality or skill or trait that they, that they look for in potential employees? That's an interesting question. Um, over the past few years, the emphasis on skills has changed totally, although they're still looking 
like if you want somebody for an engineering job, of course, these students need to have some skills in terms of engineering. But what they're more emphasizing on now are the soft skills. So it's more important for students to actually be a good fit to the organization that actually means that they have the skills to um, that they know a bit about showing leadership that they can organize themselves that they know how to work in an industry environment in a professional environment all these things they're way more important nowadays so if they so if they're an, an employer at a job fair how do they how can they tell this from meeting a student or like how can a student actually um, you know, communicate this that that they do have these qualities. Um, of course, you won't you won't find out by shaking their hand and saying hello. I mean, it takes a little bit more. That's that's true. Um, I might add here that we've moved away from the traditional employment fair because we don't see that they are very effective anymore. Oh, Instead. Right. Yeah, what we're doing instead is that we're now providing a careers conference. So the, the concept here is that students and employers get together and there is a program that we put together and this program is focused on employability. But we don't we don't facilitate this program alone. The reason to, to invite uh, employers is that they help us with this task. So these employers are invited and encouraged to tell students what they actually need from a student, and this is from a, from from an employability uh, from an employability perspective. That's what we're telling the employers. Then, what we wanted to have was students who were really committed, students who had some drive to come along and participate in a program that would run a whole day, and it worked perfectly. Uh, we had around about 150 students were allowed to come along, and um, yes, on top of that, the employers just got what they wanted: top students. Okay, so we were talking earlier about, I mean, you mentioned earlier about how job fairs are now becoming obsolete and that's why you're doing these conferences. Yes. And we, yep. we were also talking, I mean, before we started this interview, we were talking about how social media is becoming more important for students. Can we talk about LinkedIn? Yeah, and certainly. why students should really focus on getting their profiles up to scratch? Yes, of course. The reach that you get with putting yourself out there on the web, putting your profile there as a professional and letting your audience know who you are and what you stand for is a totally different concept than writing cover letters and, and resumes um, on a one-to-one -one basis. So there's something coming in, there's an interesting job. What you do is you write your cover letter, you write your resume. Sometimes you write some selection criteria and you send it in and wait for somebody to come back to you. Do employers not even bother with that anymore, like with well, cover letters and resumes? <laughs> they still do because um, the majority of applications they receive are still cover letters and resumes, so they have to. But um, they 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 screen them quite vigorously. If they if they don't find anything interesting in the cover letter in the first five seconds, they'll just dump it. So you have to be very very careful about how to how to put your cover letter together. I mean, of course, you have to be very careful how to put your LinkedIn profile together as well. But if you if you've got if you've got it in a place where it's constantly available, that's something totally different rather than responding, reacting to um, an advertisement that you find somewhere. Because you're out there all the time, 24 hours, seven days a week with your profile. And if a recruiter comes along on LinkedIn, does a search and finds your profile because your profile matches what they're searching for, it's a way more effective way of getting recognized 
as mm. students. So it's like being proactive as opposed to being reactive. Absolutely. Yep. That's the big difference there. And I'm I'm sure you've heard about the, the, the ongoing discussions that the resume is dead and so on and so forth. I think this is, um, if you look at it from, from technology, from people who, who know a bit about technology, in particular the web and everything, of course that's true, but not everybody and I'm talking talking about it, uh, employers as well as students. Not everybody knows about the big differences between doing something in the physical world and doing something on the web, which is basically cyberspace and is available all around the world, while the physical places confined in location and all that sort of stuff. So with LinkedIn, yep. I know that like if you have experience, it's very easy to sort of beef it up and, and really fill it out. But what can a student do if they have little or no work experience? How can they, how can they increase their employability or improve their employability through their LinkedIn profile? Um, the employability part is, it's, it's, it's not so much about work experience. The employability part is more about to know how to actually advertise yourself. That's what the employability part is about. You know how to um, develop a cover letter. You know how to develop a resume. You know how to develop your, your LinkedIn profile and you know what the demands are. That's what employability is about. The work experience part does not really fit in with the employability part. The work experience part is something that's very important as well. I, I agree with that. But I think the, the, the difficulties that a lot of students have with this concept is that they misunderstand it. We we often get um, inquiries at the front desk at our at our office from students who ask us, um, yeah, um, you know, I want to apply for this job, but they're asking me to have um, work experience, but I'm only learning this job. The, the thing that these employers are asking is not so much that you actually know what you're studying, because of course it doesn't make sense to study something that you know about. What they're actually asking is that you know your way around in a work environment. That's all that they need to know. If you hey, wait, a, say that wait, wait, say that again. So even if they're asking for experience, yes, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need work experience. It it means that you need work. You don't need necessarily need work experience in the field that you're applying for. You just need some general work experience. So what they're saying is, it doesn't really matter that you haven't worked in the environment that you're actually studying for. It it means that you have to have work experience in any environment, in any professional environment. So if you've been working, I don't know, on a sales floor at Myers, or if you've been working on uh, a petrol station or anything, or uh, as as an and office a juice bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't really matter. The, the The difference really is: Do you understand what it's like to work? That's what they're asking. Do you know what it's like to be in a work environment, in a professional environment, where you've got a manager, where you've got um, co uh, colleagues, and, and and where you have to to deal with difficult situations and stuff like that? That's what they're asking you if they ask for work experience. Okay. So even though so even if you only have say like a a casual job as a sales assistant or a waitress or That's something right. you can still put in you can put that into your LinkedIn profile and and this is something that I I try and try and encourage people to do is to share on your profile what you learned from that job. Yes, what were the exactly. what were the challenges that you faced? Yes. What did you do to you know, overcome those challenges and what Absolutely. did you do to take initiative and what did you learn from that process? That is you know, exactly what they're looking for. Exactly. So many LinkedIn profiles I see, people go, 
oh, I did th- in, in this role, I did this, I did this, I did that, I did that. And I'm like, <laughs> that is just boring. That tells me exactly. absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, so I love that you brought that up because really, and what you, what you said at the very start, you know, just being a good fit for a company is more important than your grades or your, um, you know, your experience. Well, that's right. I, I, I don't say that grades are unimportant, but it's not, it's, it's not the first criteria anymore. And that's so interesting mm. about it. For example, um, another thing that's happening is um, accounting organizations, the large ones, you know, the international ones like Deloitte's, KPMG, Ernst & Young, all those big organizations, they actually hire engineers now. And you wonder why they hire engineers. And I've been asking one of those graduate recruiters about this. And they say, well, you know, these people know a lot about numbers. And if they find out during their studies that they don't really want to uh, work in a mine or, or do anything like construction work or mechanical work or anything like that, this is a second opportunity for them to come on board with us. Um, I think that is quite a brave move. Because, um, you know, they're engineers, of course, if you go into an engineering course, you don't go into an engineering course to end up with an accounting organization or no. anything like that. But um, it's, 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 it's a second opportunity. So it, it, it clearly defines or, you know, is proof that this is not the, the major criteria anymore. They can always form you to what they actually need from you. What the, what the university does is they give these students the foundations and it's always been like that, you know, that the employers take these students on board and then hone them so that they actually fit the the work environment of where they're actually ending up. Mm. It's a different thing then, you know, and um, that's that's. I think that's also the reason why they they decided. Yes, of course, you have to have these skills, you know, but these are the basic skills. What's more important is do your soft skills actually fit our uh, cultural environment at this organization? And of course, I think you know when when you when you when you think about it, it's just logical, isn't it? Of course, you know you you have all those skills, but if you just don't fit in, what's the point? It'll be yeah, it'll it'll be an awful it'll be an awful environment for both parties. So so nobody wins, you know. And if you can just show them that you're willing to learn, then then like it's like you said, they can mold you to to learn the skills or to to do what they they need you to do at their company. You don't need yes. to be from that that industry anyway. No, it can be related, just like you, like I said. You know, if it's if it's about numbers, um, of course, makes sense. Yes, but um, again, the <laughs> if you if you graduate after five years of an engineering um, degree, it's up to you to decide to go into an accounting firm, or if you if you want to continue to pursue what you've been working for for five years. Well, I think that gives that gives students hope anyway. If you're yeah. so if you're if you're getting coming towards the end of your degree and you're thinking, I don't know if I really want to pursue this, it's totally fine. Just just go for it. Just fine. I mean, this is something that um that I mean, when I started architecture, I didn't know if I was going to end up working for an architecture firm. But I thought, you know what, I like the course. It's teaching me a lot. And I thought, you know, and at the end of it, I'll just find companies that resonate with me in terms of their culture and their approach and the work that they do and just go for that rather than going well I have to find a firm that suits you know my degree yeah yeah I I totally understand what you mean there um you know 
f- funny thing is what I experience with the with the change in the way that people talk or com- communicate with each other, in particular thinking about the web, is that um, we're more like individuals nowadays than groups. So it, it's more about yourself than 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 about a group that you would you would align yourself to. So as as some kind of a side effect, it is like you're you're moving away from this institutionalization of everything it's more about individualization and i think that's a positive thing it is that you actually have more more opportunities to find something that you really like rather than do something that you 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 think is necessary because somebody tells you you find your own way um in particular in 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 trying to find a job i think that's that's a great advantage and it's easier you know if you if you if you look at at things like linkedin or as i said you know use um using wordpress or or a me website to to express yourself as a professional it's so much easier to get into contact with other individuals who might have the same interests and maybe i don't know create create your own business together or or go 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 part of the way together as professionals it's it's way easier than it was in the past <laughs> Even if you are not thinking about starting your own business or doing your own freelancing, having that personal brand and by by building up an online presence is going to really just help you even if you are working for someone else because it you know everyone needs to have this this sort of this personal brand out there on the web, you know, starting with your LinkedIn profile and then maybe you have Maybe you share stuff on, I don't know, Instagram or maybe you maybe you blog or whatever. But it's yeah. going to help you for when you say if you want to move on or if you want to change course or, or whatever. You, you need to continue to do that to show people that you are staying proactive. Exactly. And um, you, 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 you put, uh, brought up a very, very important point there that, that I would like to emphasize on in terms of um, creative jobs. I think what's really what's really advantage is uh, what's what's really a great advantage for these people is that you can um, put a portfolio out there, and that portfolio is everywhere at the same time. You know, every everybody can have a look at it and see if you're great at what you're doing. And I think as a creative, that's so much more important, you know, than than having your hard copy at home somewhere and then yeah, trying to you know deliver it to somebody on on an interview or you know so it's it's just you know that you're out there you, you you're a yeah. presence you know it's it's so it's it's so much easier honestly that's what i think you're making yourself findable rather exactly. than um you're putting yourself out there and letting people find you and yeah. that's going to open up way more opportunities than if you are like targeting specific things and not showing anyone else yes exactly can we talk about trust for yes. a moment Yes, of course. You mentioned to me earlier that that trust is so important when you're when you're building your online presence, and then, but and you're talking about how important it is that your physical uh, your your physical presence has to completely match that online presence. Can you explain what that means? Yes. The online presence is basically a reflection of yourself. It's not exactly yourself. It's it's something that you put out there to to give people an idea of who you are. But of course, it's not you. It's a digi- digital representation of yourself. But to create trust, you have to make sure that 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 that's, that that is an adequate presentation of yourself. So 
um, coming back to something like a LinkedIn profile, you could put all sorts of stuff out there. You could you could call yourself a professor. You could you could come up with some idea that you're you're an academic in something. But if people find out that this is all bogus, this is where you where you where you make the big mistake because it's not only between you and that particular person. The 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 floor will be visible around the world so it's it's like it's like a stain on you and and to get that stain away that is really really hard because there'll be traces everywhere as soon as somebody shares it there's another instance of that problem and then they share it with other people and it's it's just growing so i guess students have to be well i guess we all do we have to be consistent within our different social media platforms as well like how we're re- represented right because yes. i mean you can have like a really professional, nice-looking LinkedIn profile, but if your Facebook profile is visible <laughs> to the public or your Instagram is visible to everyone and yeah. it's completely it's misrepresenting you there, then it's going to sort of render your LinkedIn profile a little bit obsolete. Like that trust that you build up with, with other professionals is going to be undermined by the other images that you project of yourself. Totally right. Yes, I agree. The funny thing is, um, nice that you actually mentioned that. The funny thing is that a lot of recruiters do this. You know, they they go to your LinkedIn profile and then they just go to Google, and then put your name in there and see what they find. And of Ooh. course, all sorts of all sorts of profiles will pop up there. There there'll be all sorts of images popping up there, and um, yeah. So that's that's the the threat that you put on yourself if you're not if you're not concise about yourself but i'm not saying that you shouldn't have fun on facebook or any other you know social media channels because of course that's what they're there for um but to 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 keep see, it private <laughs> yes exactly um what, that's one thing and also uh, another thing is you you also have to you also have to consider cu- cultural differences you know um if you if you want to if you want to work on an international scale that makes it way more difficult you know if you want to let's say work in japan what's what's inappropriate in japan might be totally appropriate in the usa or or australia or anywhere in 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 the western world but you're not aware about that so that's where you have to do your homework you know if you want to develop your professional profile and if you want to go international that's where you have to consider all these things yeah but it all comes down to what your goals are and what you want to achieve. And once you know what your goal is, you you start, you can do your research and find out and, and work towards that. That's right. Now, now for students, for students graduating soon, what's, what would be your advice? What's one thing that they can do in order to make themselves more employable? Employable. Yeah. Mm. I would say, um, start early. Um, I, I wouldn't say that they would have to, prepare themselves for after university at the, at the beginning of their studies but um, at least two years before you start you should make sure that you you know how to apply for a job you know what recruiters are looking for you know what it means when you read an advertisement a job advertisement what they're actually asking for and you you learn how to do your research about the organization also another important thing is find out if that organization is actually what you really want to go for um it's 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 not enough to just you know go for a funky organization when you look at it people everybody wants to go to google or everybody wants to go to apple of course um they're cool brands you know but 
are they having a cool work environment? That's the more important thing that you have to think about. So doing your research actually means that you go out there and see what it's like. You know, what what is it that they can what is it that they can offer? Um, a great opportunity, which is way underutilized by students, is employer information sessions. Um, all universities do that. Graduate employers, they come out to those campuses of those uh, those universities and introduce their organization and their program to the students and tell them, okay, in a year's time, this is what you could do if you apply now. What um, Talking about that, another issue that I see with students is that a lot of them don't realize that it takes the large organizations almost a year until they decide who they're going to take on board for their next graduate intake. So if you want to, for example, go with large organizations for a graduate program in 2015, because you, you graduate um, before that, you would have to have your application in um, around March, April, the year before. That's wow. where they start. Yeah, that's where they start their, their application process. It's a really long and slow process, but I, you know, when you look at the facts that there, for example, I've heard from Ernst and Young only recently that they get in Australia nationwide they get about three thousand five hundred and um, applications per year, and they only fill eleven. 11, wow. 11 positions <laughs> and then they tell you uh, you know um, <laughs> out of these 11 we've got eight who've been in internships and um, yeah we, we take them over so if you apply for a job there it boils down to three out of 3,500 which is actually ridiculous um, what you can do there is actually not go for the big funky ones try with a small organization because a lot of them are actually happy to take students on board the only difference is that they don't have a, a, a fully um, fledged graduate program of course a, a graduate program is a fantastic thing but on the other hand if you go with a small to medium business the flexibility is way more interesting because you're not you're not institutionalized there you're not mm -hmm. going through this program you're in a you're in a work environment where everybody has to care about everything and this flexibility you can use and then later on apply for a full job at these larger organizations actually it, for for a lot of students this is quite a shortcut rather than you know desperately trying to send out 400 500 applications and getting nothing back because they're just going to the big ones where everybody's going. And they're, they're probably more accessible too. Like with the smaller to medium firms, you can go find the directors on LinkedIn and kind of stalk yeah. them. Yeah, you can actually be invited to have a chat, you know, and then sit in the boardroom with the boss and uh, yeah, and then see what's in it for you. You know, it's, it's way more casual than, than work, going with the big ones. I'm not saying that they're bad, I've, for God's sake, if they, if they hear this interview. <laughs> no, but... Um, it all depends on what suits the individual. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. And, and you say, you know, they, they might get offered to have a chat. I would say, like, ask for a chat, you know, go, go find it. Go yes. approach them and say, I, I'd love to learn more about your company and what you do. I'm still trying to figure out what it is that I want to do when I graduate. You know, I would, I would love to meet with you and, and maybe interview you. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, that is the great thing about it, you know. You just, you just be open. You just tell them what you think and um, be honest about your approach. And um, that actually attracts a lot of these people, you know, that they find out that you're somebody who's who's actually trying to find find a job, who tells you what what you what what they are, what they want to do, and and all that sort of stuff. So so um, yeah, it's a great way to go with mm. with small to medium businesses. 
All right. And on that motivational note, I say we uh, we got we got to wrap up this interview, Volker. But it's been so great having you on the show, and you you've shared a lot of really useful stuff. And I hope that students take all this on board and get out there and start beefing up their LinkedIn profile. If you don't know how to do it, Google it, or you can ask me. You can send me an email. I'm happy to help out. And I know Volker, you're on Twitter, aren't you? I am. If people want to get in touch with you, send you a tweet, maybe ask you a question, how can they get in touch with you on Twitter and other they platforms? They can just <laughs> – <laughs> I think the best way would actually be I've got two Twitter accounts. I've got my professional one and I've got another one, which is basically my private one. But I only, I only use my private one for professional <laughs> conversations. So, yeah, one is Swin Careers. That's, the, that's one of them. And the that's other one is simply – yep. Yeah, that's the uni one. And the other one is Volker Jansen in one word. Okay, and that's V-O-L-K-E-R-J-A-N-S-S-E-N. Yes? That is it. <laughs> All right, I got it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and, yes. And, Swin, and the university is Swin, Swinburne, Swinburne Careers. That's, what you, that's where you're working. Yeah. That's where um, you're in charge Swinburne of. Univers- yeah, just to wrap up um, about Swinburne University. Swinburne University is a dual sector university, one out of five in Australia. So we have a TAFE division and a higher education division. There's three faculties in higher education. One is science, engineering and technology. The other one is health, arts and design. And the third one is the faculty of business and enterprise. There's around about 35,000 students enrolled. We've had, we have um, um, an online university as well, which, which is called Swinburne Online. It's um, uh, a co-project between the Seek database and Swinburne University. And um, also, what else can I tell you? Oh, yes. Um, we are very, very proud of our engineering and technology part because that is where we have a lot of research grants and we, where we get a lot of um, interest from business and yeah, a lot of people coming on board and wanting to get engineering and IT students from Swinburne. Okay. Yeah. And I I really love the initiative you've been taking with the careers conferences as well. I think that's an awesome idea and that's something I would have totally loved to have got involved in um, when yes. I was studying. So I think it's great what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Christina. Um, we also think that it's a great idea because it's it was about time to, to come up with something different that was more efficient. And um, yeah, we just jumped in on the deep side and obviously it, we can swim. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> Good on you, Polka. Thank you so much again. No worries. See you then, Christina. Thanks again to Falker Jansen for being an amazing guest on my podcast this week. Of course, I will put links to how you can contact him in the show notes at designdrawspeak.com slash 038. Now, I did say at the start of the show that I was going to be announcing something And here it is. This is the last podcast episode that I'll be doing for presentation skills for design students. It actually, you know, it makes me sad to hear myself say that, you know, it's been a really, really fun journey and I've I've really enjoyed it. I just feel like I want to take this in a new direction and I want to focus and I guess, expand at the same time. And what I'm going to be doing is I'm actually going to be rebranding the podcast and the blog to be targeting architects. So solely focused on architects. And 
my goal is to help architects achieve the career goals that they want while maintaining a balanced lifestyle. Because this is something that I know a lot of people struggle with. It's a very demanding career, but the people who do it, they love it. And I want to be able to help people achieve their goals and, and their dreams and to be able to live and, and do what they're passionate about while also being healthy, being balanced and being able to do all those other fun things in life. Because I believe there's no point in just spending your entire life just working. So the topics I'll be looking to cover will be to do with productivity and job hunting, of course, communication skills and personal branding, but also health and how to achieve work-life balance, how to build up your confidence and, and things like that. That's the project that I'm working on at the moment. I don't know when it will be released. I haven't even yet decided on the name, something like Creative Life Architect or creativecareerarchitect.com. But it's all about being able to help architects design their creative lives the right way and, and being, being productive and, and happy. So I am a bit sad that this podcast is coming to an end, but I really hope that you've got something out of it and, and that you continue to um, go back to previous episodes and, and listen because I still believe that the content is really valuable and I've, I've loved being able to help so many of you out there and, and I thank you so much for listening. I, I really, really, I know I say this every episode, but I really do appreciate that, that you're listening. It, it really means a lot to me. And I, I do hope that you, that you move over with me to the new podcast and I will be most likely redirecting the designdrawspeak.com website over to the new site. So if you, when you visit designdrawspeak.com, you won't get lost. Like you'll still be able to come over and see the new website. If you'd like to hear announcements of when this new project is going to be released, you can sign up to the email list at designdrawspeak.com. Just pop your name and email in there and I will keep you up to date with everything that's happening. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 38, the final episode for presentation skills for design students. Even though this is the end of the podcast, I feel like it is also just the beginning and I'm excited to see what the future holds. Thank you so much again for listening. You are awesome and I hope to see you real soon. My name's Christina Cantors. Thanks again for listening. This has been Presentation Skills for Design Students, helping you become a confident, creative communicator. You know what? It's the last episode. I'm going to do a special song for you. You super fans who have stayed right till the end. <laughs> I just had this song in my head. I think it's very apt. You say yes, I say no. You say stop, but I say go, go, go. No, no, I. No, wait, how does it go? I say goodbye, you say hello. No, no, no. Well, I say goodbye, you say hello. Maybe it should be, you say goodbye and I say hello. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Why you say, I don't know why you say goodbye, I say hello. Bye, peeps.